0: Please fasten your seatbelts. The skies are rough, and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout
1: dates. No blackout dates.
0: I just don't want to say it's like the healthiest thing you should be drinking. <laughs>
2: Rob Gerard, tequila expert, says that tequila is the healthiest thing you can consume, healthier than kale, healthier than all the superfoods put together. Put them all aside, drink tequila instead.
0: Well you're basically drinking a you're drinking a salad because like I said, it's it's closely related to a vegetable. So
2: it's like drinking one of those green smoothies, you know? The exact exact same thing.
0: That's exactly what it is.
2: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. Today we're talking to Rob Gerard, a tequila enthusiast and founder of the Tequila Collective. He's racked up over 300,000 followers on his TikTok channel, where he answers tequila questions, makes recommendations, and just generally puts out really funny videos about tequila. So we'll get to that right after Hot Takes. Tim, you ready?
1: I'm ready, man. Let's do it.
2: All right. Hot take number one. Do you enjoy bar games when you go to a bar? Or would you rather just sit and chat?
1: Kind of depends on the mood. I mean, if I'm out with my friends, I'm down to play some pool or play some bar games. Um, but I would say most of the time, I am I just want to have a drink and chat.
2: I'm kind of torn because while well, I understand the appeal of bar games, darts, pool, whatever. I almost think it's situational. So if I'm on there on if I'm out on like a Wednesday night Thursday night whatever it's kind of dead just there with a few friends love bar games still chat it's not a hectic environment and you get to play a game can't complain but if you're out on a busy night if it's a Friday or Saturday and it's packed and the goal is to socialize and to meet people I hate bar games hate them but if you're playing darts and you keep winning you're standing at the darts station for could be two hours the whole night you're just staying there playing darts if I want to play darts I'd buy one in my my apartment and I invite my friend over and we play in my apartment I don't need to be at the bar to do that same thing with pool even in pool you're in everyone's way if you're in a busy bar environment you're playing pool you're fucking constantly having to look to make sure you're not knocking anyone around with the pool sticks people aren't walking into you it's the same thing you're you have to play the game for an hour two hours whatever It defeats the whole point of being out in a social environment. So I'm I'm kind of torn on it. It's situational. Busy bar, no games, dead bar, love games.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I don't like playing pool in a busy bar and I don't like people that do play pool in a busy bar. If you want to play pool, I don't understand why you don't go to a pool hall. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like we're about on the same page there.
2: Next hot take for you. As a dog owner yourself, Do dog owners ever get sick of answering the exact same questions about their dogs day after day?
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, And I should preface my answer, I guess, by saying that I do own a dog. I had never owned a dog before, and I don't know anything about dogs. I like my dog. I don't care about your dog. I'm not going to walk across the street to meet your dog when I'm walking my dog. In fact, I'll cross the street so I don't have to meet your dog. Uh, I don't care about anybody else's dog. I care about my dog. And I don't want to talk for five minutes about dogs at the park at seven in the morning. Well, it's funny because it's
2: kind of like meeting somebody that you know you're never going to see again, but like having that small talk, pleasantry conversation with them that just gets, that labors on and on and on. It's like you meet someone out for a walk in the morning and someone's like, oh, so like, what's your dog's name? Oh, how old is he? Oh, what breed is it? That's about it. It's the same three questions over and over again. And it's like pleasantries. They're gonna forget your dog's name, uh, age, breed, ten minutes after you leave that dog park, and you're gonna forget their dog's name, uh, age, and breed. So why? It's like it's like asking someone what their job is and what they like to do for fun, and when you meet them at a bar, you're never never gonna speak to them again. Why bother having that conversation?
1: Right. And you know, it's funny for me because I don't care. I don't even ask what you you can ask me all the questions you want about your dog. I'm not going to ask you what your dog's name is. And I'm not going to ask what breed it is. Cause I don't care. I do not want to talk about dogs when I'm at the park. Like, I'm sorry. I love my dog. I don't hate your dog, but I don't care about your dog and I'm not going like, <laughs> to waste time.
2: Tim's got no patience. If you see Tim in the dog park, just keep on walking.
1: It just drives me nuts. These freaking people that just want it. They'll like approach you from across the park. Like they beeline towards you and their dogs like pulling the leash. And you're like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> I, I love that I tapped into this. I didn't know this was your, you had such strong opinions on this. Because I, when I
2: work remote from a coffee shop or whatever, and I'm sitting outside mainly. And there'll be a dog tied up next to its owner uh, at the table next to me. And all I hear all day are people walking on the street who come up to the dog and they stop and they say, oh my God, your dog is so cute. And then, you know, the owner has their little elevator speech recited in their head. They give the exact same answers that the passerby acts like it's the most incredible, fascinating information they've ever heard in their lives. And then they move on and forget about it. And I have to hear that same conversation all day. And I get sick of it. I can't even imagine what it's like for the people that have the dog. So I know that they say having a dog is a good conversation starter for people if you're out trying to meet anybody. But, like,
1: do you really want that kind of conversation starter so often? It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I leave my dog home most of the – I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I take him to places, (laughs) but it's like if I'm sitting in a small cafe on the porch, like, I'm not going to have my dog there. Like, honestly, I think that's inappropriate.
2: All right, cool. I guess I didn't
1: expect us to be, but I think we're on the same page here. All right, over to you. Okay, Evan, my, my first question for you as a Jack and Coke thoroughbred, when you, when you go to a Mexican restaurant, will you order a tequila drink just because of the spirit of the occasion?
2: That's a really good question, uh, and the answer is no. I order what I want to order. I don't care where I am. It's the same for food, you know. If I'm at a seafood restaurant and I want, a, I want a pizza, I'll get a pizza.
1: Okay, fair enough. But I feel like we did tequila shots together uh, with, when we were with the Matador crew in Estes Park. Oh, shots are different. I'm gonna I'll go with the group
2: if there's a group decision being made. I don't want to be the guy that's like the odd man out trying to force his his weird little quirk on everybody. So yeah, if you're at a if I'm at a tequila bar with a bunch of friends and everyone wants to do tequila shots, I'm not gonna be the guy that's like, can I do like six tequila shots and then one whiskey shot? Like, no, I'm not gonna do that. But if we're all just sitting there ordering our own drinks, I'm not gonna feel pressure to get a margarita because everyone else is getting a margarita.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, my second question for you, also very tied into the topic today. Do you feel that somebody like Rob, whose Instagram has a a purpose and is offering value to his customers and he answers their questions and engages directly with them, do you think he's a different kind of an influencer than the vain look at me poster that we ridicule on the show all the time? Um, (laughs) No, I do think it's
2: different that people who provide actionable advice and expertise about a subject are different than people that set up their camera on a little or their iPhone on a little stand in front of the mirror in their bathroom and do a TikTok dance. It's very, very different. And you might have way more followers doing the TikTok dance than you do giving actionable advice. But I think uh, that. When you're someone like Rob, who's enlightening people like me and you who don't really know a whole lot about tequila, especially me, uh, then that's it's educational and it's it's good for him that he's able to make money doing that. So I think it's a totally different category. But we don't hit on anybody here, right, Tim? We we've talked that's to influencers right. that do straight up, you know, brand promotions that aren't experts, that aren't providing actionable info, and they're welcome to do it. More power to them. If we could, if me and you could dance, we'd be doing it too.
1: All right. Well, with that, we will get into it with Rob, and we'll see you on the other side.
2: Rob Gerard is a tequila enthusiast who's gathered quite a following on TikTok, making content about all things tequila. He's also the founder of the Tequila Collective, where you can find recommendations, swag, and more. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I guess my first question is, why are you so into tequila? How do you how do you feel about other liquors? Was it an exploratory process where you kind of grew up trying a bunch of things, and you're like, tequila's my jam, this is what I'm gonna stick with.
0: Um, you know, it's <laughs> my origin story is kind of uh, it, it can be kind of long, but it really just came down to I was tired of drinking beer. Um, wasn't really a drinker until I was like in my mid 20s, and uh, I had a coworker who's Mexican. And we would go out to drink after work, um, this was probably like six, seven years ago. and uh, we started just with like beer, and then it gradually, as the weeks went on, the months went on, we, uh, we migrated to other alcohols, and for some reason, tequila well, I know why his drink of choice was tequila being Mexican, but um, it just kind of stuck with me. And then I went to the store one day to purchase an adult beverage because I was tired of drinking beer. And the bottles just looked the prettiest. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing like I think people expect. Um, I have no, I have no connection to Mexico. I'm not Mexican at all. Um, like up until I was in my late twenties, I had never been to Mexico even. So um, it's it's not the most like romantic story, but uh, it was just something about being introduced to it by a friend, and then. The bottle's looking really pretty and it being a very delicious drink in the beginning. And now I know so much about it that it's just, uh, I don't think I would really want to drink anything else.
1: Can we pause real quick and note uh, on the record, what is your favorite way to drink tequila? And are you a gold or silver guy?
0: (laughs) Um, I drink my tequila neat at room temperature in... A pretentious looking glass. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And I think that's the the best way to enjoy tequila. Um, I obviously you can drink tequila however you want. You know, there's no right way. But I think if you really want to experience tequila, you want to drink it neat, just in a glass, room temperature or a little bit below room temperature. You don't want it chilled, anything like that. Um, as far as expressions is what you're referring to the silver, the gold, those types of, uh, names, uh, silver and Blanco are synonymous. So if you see silver, if you see Blanco, those are clear tequilas. Gold is not really an expression. Um, gold is kind of something that Jose Cuervo coined, I believe. Um, I think they were the first ones to use it. And if you see gold on anything, um, chances are it's shit. (laughs) I've always
1: suspected that because I don't like gold tequila, yeah. but now you've confer- Now I have an expert that has confirmed this for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing about gold tequila is I think it's a little bit of marketing. Uh, gold sounds fancy. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is it, it's kind of reflective of the color that the tequila is. But um, if you see gold on a bottle, and there's an expensive bottle of uh, Classe Azul gold, and uh, I would just stay, say stay away from those. Because um, chances are they're not worth drinking. Um, the expressions, I, I can name them if you're interested, the expressions of tequila, um, you have Blancos, Reposados, Añejos, and Extra Añejos, and now there's a new classification that seems to be coming to the market of Cristalinos, which is a whole other story.
2: So what do you think about mixing tequila with like other things? Tequila, soda, tequila, water, I've seen... Tequila, Anything? Like, I don't know, just straight up? Or do you, is there, would you make room for any mixers?
0: I mean, I look, I have my preference. When I drink tequila, it's to really experience what, excuse me, what the agave plant and the distiller was trying to do. Um, it's very much an art form. It's a lot of science and it's a lot of art. Um, so for for me to want to mix tequila just kind of seems like a waste, in my opinion. But I think there's a time and place for everything. And obviously, I I do mix tequilas every now and then I will make a cocktail, I will make margaritas, things like that. Um, and if that's the case, I tell people, you know, because I get a lot of questions on social media, I get a lot of people asking, what's the best mixer? How do you mix it? What's the best way to go about it? And I think if you're going to mix tequila, obviously get a good quality tequila, but you can get a cheap Good quality tequila, and um, I think uh, that's probably the best way to go. Uh, and make you know the the most important thing to me about tequila is that people are enjoying it, and people are buying quality products. And if you want to drink it over ice, I'm not going to drink it over ice with you. But go ahead if you want to drink it in a cocktail, and that's the best way for you. Go ahead, it's whatever you prefer. Because at the end of the day, it's just about enjoying tequila. So
2: are you, what kind of drinker are you? Do you exclusively drink to experience the, the flavor of the tequila or do you ever just drink to get drunk?
0: <laughs> I, I rarely get drunk. Um, I've been, I've been drunk maybe, I don't know, seven or eight times in my life. And I went to, I went to a couple party schools in college. I went to the University of Arizona and transferred to, the, to UC Santa Barbara. So I was around a lot of uh, drunk kids <laughs> in, my, in my early 20s. And uh, I remember what it's like to, to be around all those, all those drunks. <laughs> and I was just never one of them. Um, like it never, it never interests me. And like I said, I never, I didn't really drink until I was like in my mid-20s. Um, and being drunk can be fun. But to me, I don't know. I, I don't like to feel like shit the next day. Uh, now I have a very high tolerance, but I really drink for the experience of the tequila itself, which probably sounds ridiculous. Like I can see Tim's face and I feel like he's a little puzzled by this.
2: <laughs> no, he's just, he's just frozen. That's just how his face looks. He has RP. He's a, he has an RPF, a
0: resting puzzled face.
1: You know, I, I just, I have to say I'm more of a, a mezcal guy myself.
0: But yeah, I mean, it sound it it can sound, I guess, a little a little ridiculous, a little you know, a little strange, a little pretentious. Like I've I've gotten comments about everything that you could probably imagine. But I tequila is very it's a very unique, very interesting uh, spirit. It it has a lot of complexity. Um, you're taking a plant that has to grow, you know, on average around seven to eight years. And then you're extracting the juice from that plant and and distilling it, which you know distillation is hundreds, if not thousands, of year, years old in terms of you know uh, distillation for spirits. Obviously, beer has been around for thousands, if not tens of thousands of years. It's a fascinating process to me. It always has been. Like I, I've always just had an appreciation for alcohols in general. But when I drink there's like, it's hard to explain, but there's so much complexity. You can get such a, a range of flavors. You you can get sweet flavors like cinnamon, vanilla, caramel. You can get really like earthy vegetable kind of flavors. You can get uh, herbaceous and flavors. It's just, it runs, it, it runs so many different spectrums of, of flavors and aromas. So I feel like you should appreciate that instead of just, you know, taking shots to get fucked up. <laughs> I'm curious
1: where you go for quality tequila and to experience the lifestyle of tequila. Because people know tequila Mexico. People know certain experiences that you can have. But what what is it for you? And what, what was your first experience in Mexico with tequila?
0: So... The first experience in Mexico with tequila was was a very Americanized experience in Cabo, actually, um, which I don't recommend for like the tequila aficionado type of uh, experience. If you want the best experience, I would say go to the town of Tequila. Um, that's that's where it everything originated. The town is. There is the tourist aspect of it, but I feel like it still maintains its authenticity. It is uh, very Mexican. And I've heard people say, you know, Guadalajara is one of the most Mexican, if not Mexican, cities in in all of Mexico. And Tequila is just an, out, an hour outside. The town of Tequila is an hour outside of Guadalajara, um, which is a major city. Um... But to me, it felt very authentic. You have these distilleries that have been there for decades, if not centuries. Um, you you really feel like you're experiencing the whole Mexican culture, and then you get the tequila culture on top of it, and it's it's it, it's unlike anything else. And as an American, it's like it's a little bit of culture shock because it's not you know. What I think we're used to here in the United States, but it's it's amazing to to go and see what they've been doing for centuries in the te- this little town in Mexico.
2: So uh, the first time I'd ever been to Mexico was actually a few months ago, and it was a trip to mm-hmm. tequila. Okay, and I have never been a tequila guy. I've never it's not that I don't like it, but it's not my drink of choice. Mm-hmm. So it was both a culture shock and also just a shock to my palate. To every single day on this trip, we're drinking different tequilas and learning about tequila, which is really cool. And one of those was at a bar which you might be familiar with, called it's like the oldest bar in the in town, La Capilla. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's they like a hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah, and they and they specialize in a drink that is tequila mixed with Coke, a batanga. Batanga, yeah. Yep. So sweet, so sweet. Is that kind of thing up your alley or is it just uh No. <laughs> that's like <No. laughs> cuz they're so proud I, I thought I mean it's good It's sweet everything sweet's good but like it's so they're so proud of that. And that's like you know a whole half day was centered around like learning about the batanga and yeah. um but it's it was, it's interesting how they even in the birthplace of tequila they'll mix it with all kinds of stuff, you know? I feel like they're experimenting. They're still kind of figuring it out oh, and yeah. trying to make it creative.
0: Yeah, the the batanga there's there's a few Drinks that I think are specific to that you know to that town to the town of Tequila or just the region in general. Um, the Batanga is definitely one of them, and the, what's interesting about that specific drink is it was invented at La Capilla, which is that bar you were talking about, and yeah. <clears throat> the original recipe requires uh, El Tequileno Tequila, which is a brand that started in 1959. Um, Third generation master distiller now operates the distillery, and they have a beautiful hotel there. Like it's an awesome hotel if you ever want to go to tequila, I would de- definitely recommend. Yeah, that's the hotel we stayed at. Yeah, um, Saiz, which is Saiz, Yeah, yeah, it's just insanely beautiful, and you know you're literally right next to the distillery. So I, when when we were there, that's where we stayed. Um, I love El Tequilano. They're they're an amazing brand of tequila, but that's what that recipe calls for. And, you know, we go there one night and they're handing me these drinks and I'm like, oh God, can you just pour me like a big glass of tequila? (laughs) Because it's like, it's so sweet. And then they put a ton of salt in it too, for some reason. And I was like really struggling to get it down. (laughs) Like I would have preferred just like a, like a, a, they could have just handed me a bottle of tequila and I would have been fine. But they, yeah, that's, that's an interesting drink for sure. It's definitely uh, an acquired taste. (laughs) So it's, some of the lore of
1: of tequila is that you can only call it tequila right if it's made in the blue agave region of Mexico. Uh however, I and and I'll I'll let you expand on that in a second, but I'm curious also your thoughts on uh craft distillers in the states making agave spirits uh and not calling them tequila but very much targeting the tequila crowd.
0: Yeah, so there are there are five areas in tequila that you, or I'm sorry, there's five areas in Mexico where you can make tequila. Um, they have, I think, what they refer to as the denomination of origin. So, usually when I explain it to people, it's uh, people are familiar with champagne, and mm-hmm. you can only make champagne in a certain region, the Champagne region of France. It's the same concept with tequila. You can only make tequila in these certain certain areas. Um, and the majority of tequila, I think it's like around ninety percent of tequila is made in the state of Jalisco. There are four other areas you can make it, but most of it's going to come from Jalisco. And then there's two main regions in Jalisco. There's um, the highlands and the lowlands is the easiest way to put it. Um, so you know you can you can only have tequila from those areas, which I don't think a lot of people realize. Um, so I'm trying to educate people on that. Um, but to the second part of that question, when it comes to, uh, you know, distilleries in the United States or distilleries outside of those areas of Mexico making what I think they have to like call, uh, I think, you know, it's, there's certain variations, but it's like agave based spirits or agave based distillates. I honestly have never tried one, um, it's different from Mezcal, because Mezcal can be from other regions of Mexico, um, but require you know different types of agave use and have their own denomination of origin title. Um, but there are distilleries. I, I know of a few in California. I think there's a couple in like Arizona and Texas that are making these agave distillates. I've never tried one. I don't have really a desire to try one. But I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing. Uh, I think, if anything, it, it kind of just makes for an introduction to tequila, if that makes sense. Um, maybe they're a little bit more accessible or available to certain markets in the United States. And it is easier for a consumer to experience that product and then say, okay, if that's what this is, I want to see what you know, traditional tequila tastes like.
2: I'm curious how you feel tequila people are different than people who are fans of other liquors like whiskey people or rum people. Do you have experience with that like people that are tequila connoisseurs uh, personality wise uh, you know of, of course we'll just generalize and uh, probably offend offend some people but what's the, in your experience anyway like what are tequila people like?
0: yeah definitely a trigger warning for like the for the bros <laughs> uh you know for the average white man whiskey drinker oh, yeah. <laughs> look i think um i I think when it comes to tequila, we are in a way headed to what whiskey drinkers are currently at um and what I mean by that is. You know, there's there's this perception. I mean, I even have it. I feel like I fit the stereotype, but, like, I have this perception of, you know, whiskey drinkers are typically white men in, like, their late 20s to, like, you know, late 30s. And now that they have a little bit of money, like, they can afford luxuries, like, buying a $150 bottle of whiskey. <laughs> That's never crossed my mind.
1: (laughs) He's still a Jack Daniels guy, so it doesn't matter how old he gets.
0: It depends what you're buying, I guess. I mean, some of those allocated bottles can get pretty expensive, I know that. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think tequila drinkers are there yet in terms of, like, that stereotype. And uh, I don't think it'll ever get to that point exactly because, you know, tequila is so deeply rooted in... In Mexican culture, um, and what's interesting, and I th- and I think Tim might have mentioned this before or touched on it a little bit, um, the the average Mexican does not drink tequila the way the average American does, and the the typical like tequila connoisseur in America or the United States, um, what they're doing is like totally foreign to like a lot of Mexican people who drink tequila, um, you know, because I think maybe I'm generalizing here and, and I hope I don't offend Mexican people because I, <clears throat> excuse me, I would never do that, but I feel like Mexican people, because it's surrounded so much around tequila is surrounded so much by their culture and integrated in, um, You know, it's part of their lifestyle. It's part of like this is what we drink, this is what, you know, this is what our social events are like, this is how we have a good time. Um, whereas like I'm over here sipping on it to try to enjoy like every little flavor I can get out. But if you ask like the average, you know, college student, they're drinking tequila to get fucked up. Um, so there's like all these different ideas around tequila. So
2: bros at Arizona State are culturally appropriating Mexican national drink (laughs) at their frat parties, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that kind of leads into like, like, we're curious how you feel about proof that people say, you know, people are always like, oh, tequila makes you crazy. It, it makes you more irresponsible and you have a terrible hangover. It, I don't think there's any truth to that. What do you think about that?
0: Um, I, there is that myth that um, like tequila is the only alcohol that's an upper. I don't know where that came about. Um, that's a good way it, to put it yeah at the end of the day it's alcohol and all alcohol is a depressant to some extent so i i don't when people say to me it's the only alcohol that's an up i'm like eh, i never really respond because i don't have like a scientific background to like you know back up any claims but i can't imagine it it's going to have a different effect than any other alcohol because at the root of it, it's still alcohol. It's still this like the alcohol that's in tequila is present in vodka. It's present in whiskey. It's present in any form of alcohol that you can consume. So, I think that's more of a uh, you know just like a myth that people want to want to believe to make themselves feel better about drinking tequila. Yeah, um, and to justify how
1: embarrassed they are of how drunk they got last night.
0: I yeah, started. exactly. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think because tequila is often taken as a shot, though, um, it's a lot easier to consume mass amounts quickly, whereas, you know, obviously you can do the same with vodka, but I think, uh, you know, I I feel like the other alcohols, you know, you get gin, whiskey, rum, like people aren't really shooting those, uh, those alcohols, at least in my experience, and again, I went to some party schools. I don't remember anybody like bringing a handle of gin. <laughs> right. So
2: well, they did. You were just blackout on tequila, so you don't remember.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I was the only one sober at the time.
2: <laughs> you were the sober guy standing in the corner sipping. Exactly. On you, like, $300. I was like, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I was the one, I was the sober, like, nerd in the corner, like, talking about something, like, completely <laughs> irrelevant, that, and, like, the girl that I was talking to was like, uh-huh, shut up already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're explaining the notes in the, in the tequila. Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah exactly. all right, cool, man.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: Uh, I mean, to debunk another rumor, I guess, a few of my friends, anyway, drink tequila because they're under the impression that it's lower calorie and therefore healthier. <laughs> Is that actually
0: true? I I don't. So the the calorie count per ounce of tequila I think is sixty seven. So each ounce sixty seven calories. I believe it's relatively similar for other spirits that are distilled. You know several times. Um, beer is obviously going to be a ton of calories. Wine is going to be a ton of calories because of the sugar content. Um, You know, maybe you can make the argument for rum also being higher, but I would imagine like gin, vodka, tequila are are, are all relatively the same calorie count, Um, you know, hovering around that 70 calories per ounce. Um, As far as like health benefits go, I posted a TikTok Uh, several months ago, and it got a shit ton of views, and people, I think the reason it got so many views because it outraged so many people that I could claim that tequila was like the healthiest alcohol you could drink, but I have seen, you know, like actual research that suggests that it's it's good for your gut health, it's good for your metabolism, um, it does have some properties that may not be the healthiest to consume at mass amounts because at the end of the day it is alcohol but um you know I think it does have some some naturally occurring properties that may be helpful I don't want to say like healthy but may be helpful because remember like a good quality tequila is agave which is just a plant and it's closely related to asparagus actually so kinda of like a vegetable, and then all they do is they crush the agave plant after it's cooked to get the juice out of it. They ferment it with most often just naturally occurring yeast and then they distill it. So there's nothing artificial about tequila. So I I could see it having, you know, properties that may help your gut or may help your, you know, <laughs> help some other things. I just don't want to say it's like the healthiest thing you should be drinking. <laughs> Rob Gerard,
2: tequila expert, says that tequila is the healthiest thing you can consume, healthier than scale, yeah. <laughs> healthier than all the superfoods put together. Put them all aside, drink tequila instead. All
1: right. Well,
0: you're basically drinking a you're drinking a salad because like I said, it's it's closely related to a vegetable, so
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. The only way you can make kombucha healthier is to put is to put tequila in it. It's like drinking one of those green smoothies, you know. The exact, exact
2: that's same exactly thing. what. It is. Uh, well, we touched on TikTok a little bit, but to pivot to that right now, you have a pretty big TikTok following that you've amassed by talking about tequila. How did you start gathering a following on TikTok, and what helped you really take off?
0: Was it one big viral video? What was it? Honestly, I. I've tried to figure it out, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'll I'll give you my best guess. Um, I somehow was able to go, I guess, what I would consider like semi-viral by just manipulating TikTok by, you know, doing things like stitching videos, um, duetting a video, um, and really just like being myself. Um, not that I'm like anybody special, but I think it it was, I can really trace it back to like two or three videos that went what I would consider semi-viral at this point. And, uh, then one went like viral and got several million views. But aside from that, um, I, I'm still a little, uh, unsure as to how, how I got such a big following, but I think what, what has allowed me to – once I got that initial following of like, I don't know, 50, 60,000 followers, um, I think what helped me grow that and keep those people uh, as followers was the fact that I was just – I was being authentic. I was being a little silly and like just showing my – like the goofy side of my personality but also giving people some value. Um, giving people some information about something that most people don't have any info on at all. Um, you know, if, if you've been to a liquor store or like a Costco or even like your local grocery store, you've seen tequila on the shelves. But up until like six, seven years ago, I didn't know shit about tequila. So if, if I didn't know anything, chances are most people don't know anything either. Um, so I think by providing like a little bit of that information intertwined with like some goofy shit, people are like, "This guy's cool. I'll follow along, and maybe I'll learn some stuff."
1: I appreciate your honesty there because I feel like social media influencers are so quick to point to, you know, I do this yes, or Jesus. I do this, and, and and you know I do that. <laughs> but but I, I it's good to hear you be like, yeah, you know, I mean, it happened.
0: It it did. It it really did happen. I mean, I I have done stuff to like I said, manipulate the algorithm, I think is, is the way I put it. Um, you know, by using trending sounds, duetting or stitching certain videos that I knew had a lot of, uh, a lot of views as it was, and then, you know, would catch people's attention. But I can't stand like, because I'm on TikTok every day for like a couple hours a day, at least. Um, and you know, for research purposes, of course. And, uh, I see these people who are like, oh, yeah, this is how I got my 100,000 followers. And I'm like, this fucking bullshit. (laughs) What the hell? I don't even know how I got my 300 and whatever thousand followers. And you don't even have like a third of me and you're telling people like how to go about it. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's one of those things that drives me nuts. We
1: it drives us nuts too, and we talk about this all the time in like the travel space. There's all these travel influencers and digital nomad influencers that their entire brand is just built around telling people how to be like them, right? And it's just total bullshit, all of it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I have I have a couple friends who, you know, as soon as I started getting a little bit of a following, people started asking me. People started reaching out, like, "How did you do it?" Um, Because I think deep down, like this uh millennial, Gen Z, like these generations, like we all have this desire to be like influencers, even if you don't admit it. Because I was the type of person, you know, a year and a half ago, if you said to me like, do you want to be an influencer? I'd be like, fuck no. And that but deep down I'd be like, yeah, but it'd be kind of cool. Right. <laughs> but now like it's weird, but I I guess I'm technically like a full fledged influencer. Like people actually and I don't say that to like boast, but I get paid by brands to represent their product, um, and I would assume that's by definition what an influencer is at this point.
2: Yeah, so now you can show that girl in college that was not interested in your tequila tidbits your TikTok <laughs> channel and be like, "Hey, look what's up now."
0: I, it's actually funny. I have thought about that before. Like, I've thought like there are people who I haven't talked to in like ten years who you know. Maybe our relationship ended poorly or maybe it just we grew apart or whatever. But there are definitely people who have seen me on their fucking phone and have been like, holy shit, I remember that guy. <laughs> so I think that is that is kind of funny.
2: Exactly. No context, just shoot him your TikTok handle. No 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 words <laughs> necessary. Just that's it.
0: That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the whole the whole social media space, like I, I really if I knew exactly what I did. Then I would just be selling what I did because I think I could make more money selling that, you know, that template or that plan uh, than I can, you know, by telling people what tequila to go buy. Because that's the one thing that about me is like I do work with some brands now, but I turn away more brands than I work with um, because that's I think that's one of the key things is. This started out of out of passion for me, like the whole you know posting on TikTok and Instagram. I just love tequila, um, so like when I started doing this, like I wasn't doing this in the hopes of, you know, I'm going to be an influencer and I'm going to get paid by these brands. I remember when I made my Instagram account a little over a year ago to document my bottles. I was laying in bed and I said to my wife, "Wouldn't it be cool if I got a free bottle one day?" and now like we laugh because it's like i get cases of shit sent to me but i think but i think that's like that's probably the best advice is like just do it because you're passionate about something don't do it with the hopes of you know i'm going to get a million views i'm going to have a million followers i'm going to have people sending me free shit or paying me to talk about their brands like honestly it was it was more fun for me creatively before any brand ever reached out to me like, I was just having fun with it. Um, and now it feels like there's, you know, I have to perform to a, to a degree. So I think if you want to be, like, in this social media space, like, you know, don't take it so seriously. Don't worry about being, you know, looking dumb or looking stupid or silly. And just, you know, just have fun. Like, it doesn't, at the end of the day, it's all fucking bullshit anyway. And no one's going to remember it after they scroll up one one more post. So who cares?
1: Right and if you're on Rob's Christmas list you know exactly what you're getting every single year. <laughs> Unless he hates you and then you're getting whiskey.
0: Oh man no. No cuz yeah. the whiskey I'd have to I'd have to spend money on that.
2: <laughs> yeah well it's funny cuz we talk a lot about people who do end up doing things for a career that started out as just hobbies and whether that kind of ruins the fun for them and ruins the passion. And it's, it's, you get answers all across the board, but a lot of times it, it does. It waters down that, the sense of fun that you have doing it when it becomes a work. And we feel the same way. I think Tim with just with traveling and writing. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasting. <laughs> yeah. I hate podcasting. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking <laughs> terrible.
0: Yeah. I can tell, I can tell you guys aren't happy being here talking to me. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely when you have expectations, when you have brands, you know, sending you product and paying you. It definitely, um, you know, it definitely, it definitely changes things. Um, I'm not complaining about it. Like I love working with certain brands because, you know, I I, ca- I came from like a weird place too in terms of like I have a good job. Like I don't need to make money through this. I mean, it's, it's always nice to have more money, but it's like, I I didn't, I don't exactly need to like, you know, make a living doing this. I don't need to pay my bills from it. So I'm not like, I wasn't really pursuing it in that sense. Really, it was just a way to document my collection, have fun and like, just keep learning. Like I've learned so much in the last year, year and a half from doing this that, Um, you know, if I didn't start this, I would not have a 10th of the knowledge that I have today. So I think that's like, you know, if, if someone is listening and they want advice as to how to get started, I would say, just start by having as much fun as you can and, and have no expectations and have, you know, and, and set realistic goals if, if you do have expectations.
2: Well, I think, I think that's a great closer. Yeah, Rob. Where can people uh, find you online if they want to uh, check out your content or get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so um, on TikTok, I'm at the Tequila Collective. On Instagram, it's the underscore Tequila Collective. Uh, you can check out the website for you know recommendations, merch, things like that. TequilaCollective.club is the website. Um, And if people want to get in touch with me, I get I get like hundreds of messages a day, but I love seeing what people have in their collection. I love helping people pick out stuff. I get I get photos all the time of people like the store shelf at their local liquor store. Like, what should I get, bro? And I'm like, get this bottle. So if you want to shoot me a DM on Instagram, uh, Instagram is the best place to get a hold of me, the underscore tequila collective.
2: I have one bottle in my collection. Hold on, I got one bottle. <laughs> oh,
1: God, it's going to be Jack Daniels.
0: One bottle isn't really a uh, a collection. Espalon.
1: Is that terrible? How terrible is that?
0: Uh, pretty bad, huh? Yeah, I mean it's not the you, you could have done worse. <laughs> you could have done you could have done much worse. But it's I like definitely... I like the
2: label. I got it because I like the label. Look cool. The
0: label is cool. Yeah, it is some Mexican artwork that that pays tribute yeah. to uh, you know an aspect of Mexican culture depending on the bottle that you get. Um, <laughs> you could have done worse. <laughs> I'll put it that's, that way. That's
2: all I'm asking for in in te- my tequila consumption and in life. So perfect. We'll end on that. All right, Rob. Thanks a lot for coming on.
0: Yeah, no worries.
1: All right, we're here in news of the day with a great after a great chat with Rob. Be sure to check out Rob at the Tequila Collective on TikTok and Instagram. The first story today, Evan, uh, was written by our food and drink editor Elizabeth Sherman, and it covers things that Italians find not so appetizing that uh, P- Americans do to Italian food. One of them being, and this is kind of funny, adding meatballs to spaghetti, which does not exist in Italy, but was in fact invented by. Italian immigrants to America. So it's like a half and half, half American, half Italian dish.
2: Well, it's funny because chicken parm, arguably one of the most popular Italian dishes in the U S they have no idea what it is in Italy. You're, you can't right. order chicken parm anywhere, not, not a single menu. I remember they don't even know what it is in Europe or the UK. I, when I lived in the UK, I remember trying to explain to a British friend what chicken parm was. And she's like, looks at me quizzically and says, so it's like a chicken nugget and noodles Uh, yeah that you got it i guess but the fact that she just couldn't conceive of what this was it's funny because when we interviewed nino the pizza guy on one of our first episodes he said that their favorite pizza in naples arguably the pizza capital of the world number one pizza style in naples was something called pizza americana covered with french fries and cut up hot dogs that's acceptable that's okay but all this other stuff meatballs with spaghetti that's not acceptable Right, fair enough. They find snapping spaghetti, snapping dry spaghetti before boiling it reprehensible, as well as adding plain pasta to a
1: plate or a bowl and adding the sauce afterwards. See, I snap the noodles all the time because my pot isn't big enough to fit full spaghetti noodles in.
2: Oh, well, Western Colorado isn't exactly Italy, so I think you can uh, get away with that. But they consider these things, it says, a quote, abusing Italian food, <laughs> which I think is the funniest way to put it. <laughs> All right. article I got for us today is Puerto Ricans are protesting the attempted privatization of their public beaches. So basically, uh, the local resorts and hotels are trying to um, take public beaches and make them private for their guests. Obviously, the citizens aren't happy about this. They're fighting back. And it seems like they're winning. Uh, It seems like that they're the broad base of support is in favor of keeping beaches public, which I think is a good thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's they cite here uh, a law from 2009 that's still in place now and uh, that allows the citizens to have access to coastal areas. So cheers to them. This is one of those news stories, Evan, that's a rarity today. It actually has a happy ending, at least so far. Yeah, I mean, imagine like
2: a world in, where, in which beaches are all private.
1: Well, look at, look at, look at Jamaica. In Jamaica, it's much like that. The, the resorts have taken over like 90 some percent of the beach area in Jamaica.
2: But and you can kind of like wander onto their beach though. Like, is there, is, is the security really that strict? Like if you just walking down the beach, you try to just sit on this. If you're trying to take a cabana, that's one thing. But if you got your own towel, you're sitting down on the, on the sand, like, is anyone really going to go up and tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, show me your room key? Like, does that really happen?
1: I I couldn't tell you. I've never been to Jamaica, but... uh.
2: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I remember when I went to Aruba, all of the resorts had... There was a public beach, and then all the resorts had their own private beach section, and it was tough to tell where the public beach ended and the private beach began. So I kind of was walking... I walked the whole beach one morning, and I was walking through the resorts of like... Through the beaches of like six different resorts, and I didn't really know where one ended, where another one started and no one said anything to me. I could have I could have sat down, laid down, hung out for a bit. No one would have said anything. So I think it, it's kind of a gray area, even private beaches, much like hot tubs. Don't ask for uh, permission, ask for forgiveness. If you want to use it, just use it and you can probably get away
1: with it. I I agree on the hot tubs. The beaches, I mean, it doesn't hurt that you know you're a white guy that looks like you probably are staying at the hotel.
2: I don't like like a rich white guy though. So that's that might be the difference.
1: Well, at least uh, the Puerto Ricans seem to have maintained access to their beaches for now.
2: All right. Thanks for listening to No Blackout Dates. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us, of course, a five-star review. And if for some reason you want to follow what we're up to, I'm Evan flow underscore on Instagram, and he's Tim Winger One. Also, a big shout out and thanks to our producer Alex Halkey, executive producer Katie Hetrick, our email marketing guru Kelsey Wilking, the Matador Social crew, and everyone else on the team who puts up with us on a daily basis. We'll see you guys next with.